Revenue is defined as the total income produced by a given source, or the gross income returned by an investment. This is Revenue Radio, presented by MarketScale. And now, here's your host, Tim Maitland. All right, welcome into Revenue Radio. I am your host, Tyler Kern. Tim Maitland is not here today as he's a really busy guy. So instead, we've got the man, Brandon Fluger, in the house. Brandon, thank you so much for being here, man. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Well, it's uh, it's good to have you in here today. We're going to talk a little revenue. We're going to talk a little Q4. We've got a lot to talk about. What's on your mind today, Brandon? Yeah. Um, can you believe we're in Q4? I cannot. Do you know what that means? It means that the calendar flipped over to October 1st a week ago today. And so... Uh, that's kind of where we are in the uh, in the fiscal year now, my man. Exactly. Less than 12 weeks left in, in 2019 um, as we head into 2020. How does that sound? That sounds pretty pretty crazy to me. I do not know where the month of September went. It, it came just kind of flew it's... by. <laughs> Is it like that for everybody else? I don't know if everybody else felt that way, but I certainly did. The, 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 month of, uh, the months of August and September really just kind of flew by, and all of a sudden I looked up and it was October. It was still hot as heck in Dallas until the last couple of days, so uh, that's, that's made a big difference in my feelings towards fall, I suppose. Yes, yes, I see you, you brought out the denim jacket. The fall season is officially here. I'm wearing a sweater and a denim jacket, and it's like 65 degrees outside. There's no, <laughs> there's no reason for it besides the fact that I have just wanted to wear this stuff for the past, like, I don't know seven months. Well, I'm right there with you and I'm excited for Q4, partly because I get to bring out my sweaters again. So you are a big sweater guy. I, I love a good sweater. Um, you know, every, every year around Christmas time, my sister, um, loves to get me a sweater every year. <laughs> so I look forward to it and, uh, it's my favorite present to, to open. So every now you've Christmas. collected what, like 28, 29 sweaters over the years? Going on 30 sweaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a big year for you. It is. So is 2020. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. Well, I, you know, one of the things I really appreciate and, and enjoy about fall is kind of the, the limited time offerings. You know, like I get really big into like pumpkin spice stuff. And I realize that's a basic thing to say or whatever that <laughs> like I, I'm just like every sorority girl now. But I, I really do like <laughs> pumpkin spice flavored things. And I really like Oktoberfest beers. And I really like all things to do with fall. And it's unfortunate I live in a state that barely has a fall to begin with. But uh, man, while we have it, I live it up. Yeah. No, I was listening to your radio show, I think, last week. And y'all were talking about pumpkin spiced spam. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I felt a way about it when I was listening to the show. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I personally haven't had spam. Um, I know... My mother grew up with it. My father yeah. had it. I know it's you know a good snack to have. I could imagine it being pretty good. Pumpkin spice. I mean, shoot, I could sprinkle a little cayenne pepper or a little sugar. You know, why not pumpkin spice? I don't know. I'm, I I honestly cannot come up with a good reason why I should try it. <laughs> but like I've had spam before, and it's just like it's okay. It's like very thick ham. I guess I don't know. I just didn't find it to be like super great. And maybe it was just like the stigma of it playing in my mind. I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I want to have this. Yeah. And then uh, I was over at a friend's house and their parents made it for me. And I was like, all right, we're well, doing this. You know, so I did and it was when, fine. When someone that grew up eating it um, has a certain way of making it or preparing it for it's you. True. It's true. I think that goes a long way because I'm, I'm just imagining taking it out of the can and putting some pumpkin <laughs> spice on it. That's even worse. Yeah. 
that's so worse. that's that's how I feel about it. All uh, right. So you would try that? Uh, yeah, I would try it. If someone prepared it for me and put it on a plate and told me, hey, this is a, a nice dish for you to try. Someone you know. fried some up in a frying pan for me. That that was that was how I ate it the first time. And again, like I said, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I but, probably I probably wouldn't know it was spam. Just don't tell me because... I, then it gets in your brain. Yeah. My grandmother used to make um, cornbread dressing, stuffing, um, every Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. And she'd make it from scratch and she would use chicken livers, chop up chicken livers. And you had no idea. And I had no idea. Yeah. Until I was told that I was eating chicken livers and I thought, oh boy, now I can actually taste it every time I eat it. So You were positive that you noticed the difference at that point. Yeah. But now I'm a big fan. I like chicken liver. So shoot, give me some pumpkin spice spam. All right. I'll Tis the to, season. Next time we do this, I'm going to bring in some pumpkin spice spam and we'll, we'll do a taste test on the air. Awesome. All right. They're about to make some money off us. <laughs> Actually, they sold out within the first seven hours. So I don't know that we can even get our hands on some, but <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just have to see. But all of this, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with revenue. So let's kind of just dive into, uh, Brandon, what you do here, who you are, and, uh, and, and what's going on at MarketScale. So you're in the business development and marketing uh, department here at MarketScale, but you have a, uh, an undergrad in marketing, but that's not really what your focus was after college. You went to law school. You've done a number of other things, including play soccer and, and a lot of other stuff. How do you feel like those things have really helped you in your career in what you do here at MarketScale? Yeah. Well, first of all, marketing is tied to revenue. You know, marketers are constantly having to show, you know, the return on their investment, the return on the marketing dollars that they've been uh, allocated for the year. Yeah. Um, So, you know, at MarketScale, that's what we're helping our our partners do is uh, really leverage their marketing spend and help sales. Yeah. So everything in marketing is geared towards you know, increasing sales. So making the business look better, making sure people are educated on what products we're selling, um, providing sales more collateral so they can go out and educate more and, um, you know, really put it in front of their their industry as, you know, hey, they're the industry go-to for knowledge and expertise. So um, I think marketing, for one, um, ties right into the whole business, ties right into revenue. Um, but yeah, going from there, you know, uh, law school. Yeah. Going to law school. Uh, a lot of people go and get their JD, MBA. Um, a lot of people will have, you know, a JD and get into business later on. I know so many attorneys now that are more or less business folks. Sure. And so, you know, they're in, in different investments. They're they're running different businesses. And, you know, they started out, you know, being attorneys at first. But um, that being said, I think it, it gives, it's a good segue into, uh, being able to have a mindset towards, you know, identifying different areas of growth, of opportunity, being able to look at numbers and say, okay, let's, you know, identify what this means and how we can, you know, showcase this to to be profitable in the future. Do you feel like you have like a broad base by which to identify with and communicate with a various, you know, kind of wide ranging group of people. Cause you talk to a lot of different people. We cover 15 different industries here at market skills. So we have clients across 15 different industries. So you have to be able to talk to somebody that works in, you know, construction just as well as you talk to somebody that manufactures retail kiosks and things like that. Do you find that having that, having that background means that you're able to converse uh, pretty comfortably with just about anybody? Yeah, I think it, it makes me more comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I definitely have the ability to do my own research and 
understand the key points of each one of their industries and their businesses really identifying you know what makes them special what makes them stand out within their industry and the message really is is the same you know it's all about moving from marketing towards educating and teaching and you know that that's one universal language so absolutely so i've always felt like i admire the heck out of what you guys do in business development because if, if i were to ever call a company or something like that and they're like oh yeah, no, we don't need like what you have or, or what you what you do. I, I feel like I would just be like super sheepish and just be like, okay, yeah, thanks, bye. You know, and, and immediately, like <laughs> hang up. It, obviously, like you can't be that way when you're in business development. So explain like, I guess your mindset for when you approach those types of conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, frankly, if someone says they don't need what we offer, um, you know, I didn't do a good job of communicating exactly what it is that we're doing because what we're doing is helping companies transform. And, you know, whether you're an uh, industry leader already, if you're leading your, your market, leading your segment, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be leading by even more. Other people are trying to catch up and we're helping those companies do that. So we're protecting their investment and allowing them to grow and grow. And this is the direction of the market. And this is where companies are heading and we can help we can help with that. We know you can build it. We can help. That's, you know, the Home Depot slogan and yeah. it couldn't be more true. Absolutely. Well, and I think I think part of that uh, that, that inherently goes into it is not being, um, is, is having confidence in the product that you're offering. And so having that confidence in what market skill can do, seeing the results from previous companies and previous businesses that we've been able to partner with that it's benefited, I think also helps maybe give you some confidence when you go into those conversations, knowing that what we do, you feel like it's you're good to put your name behind it and, and put your word behind it to a certain extent. Absolutely. And, you know, when we do see these success stories with all of our partners, you know, even the small wins, it's sometimes the smallest wins are the most, uh, you know, you get the most gratification out of. Sure. And, you know, when we, when we get you know, some of the bigger wins, you know, around, um, you know, Q4 when people are going for budget renewal and, and an approval and they're getting a, an even bigger budget for the next year because they did such an incredible job that current year. Right. You know, those are awesome wins. And it's just a testament to our team here at Market Skill. You know, really, really talented, talented group of folks, um, really making sure we're, we're providing the best experience and mm-hmm. educating, you know, our partners on, you know, best practices as well. So, Getting in front of those folks and, and being comfortable, having, you know, help support them and get wins Absolutely. before um, certainly makes the conversation a lot easier going forward. You can talk even bigger picture. Uh, you can talk about even grander ideas and really, you know, just brainstorm together. Get in that room and strategize together because you trust one another. You build that up. Absolutely. Well, we're going to step aside, take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Q4. We hit on it just a little bit at the beginning. We're going to talk about the importance to businesses, what it means going forward, and uh, some of the big decisions that are made in Q4. So that's going to be myself, Tyler Kern, and Brandon Fluger coming up after the break. Have you ever thought to yourself, podcasts are pretty cool. I should use one to market my company. Good news. You're not alone. But where do you start? Market Skills Thought Leadership Club makes it easy to dive into the world of B2B podcasting. With in-house podcast production, audio hosting, and more, MarketScale can be your podcast partner that sets you up as a thought leader in your industry, creating the content that powers B2B. For more information, head to marketscale.com and find out what thousands of companies already know to be true. 
that podcasting is the future of thought leadership in B2B marketing. All right, welcome back to Revenue Radio. I'm Tyler Kern. He's Brandon Fluger. We're talking Q4 today. It kicked off a week ago today. This today is October 8th. So, Brandon, when the calendar flips over to October 1st, as it did last week, that means businesses enter that Q4 time frame. And uh, I feel like this is just such an important time. And you mentioned earlier, um, or maybe we talked about this off the air, all the conversations kind of blur together at a certain point. But Q4 is an interesting time because it means different things for different industries, for different companies, for different businesses. Talk a little bit about that and just explain kind of what you mean and how for different industries, Q4 just means something completely different. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, construction projects, um, you know, typically their business is all done in the first three quarters of the year. And so Q4 is a little bit slower. It's also just bad weather time, right? Like it's not great time for construction really. Like if you're in Chicago, you don't want to be building something in December, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it just seems to make sense. Logistically, it sounds, yeah, it's, it, it makes sense to do your business outside of <laughs> Q4. <clears throat> um, but you know, if for another example, you know, construction companies that, you know, maybe their main segment is working on schools, education systems. Sure. You know, they're in school August through May. And so they have to go in there and transform a school during those summer months. They yeah. have 90 days to do that. It's a good point. So, yeah, you can imagine there's a lot of planning going on for companies like that in the, in, oh, I would say off season, but right. during the school year in Q4, um, gearing up for Q1. So getting their, their numbers ready and preparing for that outlook going into the new year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a big thing is just that when you hit Q4, you begin kind of looking forward to that end of fiscal year and then the beginning of the next one. And I think companies start to make plans. Uh, have you seen in any of your conversations just that companies have started to kind of cast an eye towards the fiscal year of 2020 just as you hit uh, Q4 and they're, they're starting to look to, okay, what plans, maybe what strategies can we implement here at the end of the year that can then carry us forward with maybe some momentum into a new fiscal year? Exactly. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of our a lot of people right now are getting their budgets approved sure. for 2020. So Q1 starts January 1. Um, you know, we're, we're talking in early October and already solidifying plans for 2020. That's how you know, early people are securing their 2020 budgeting. Right. So you know, they have to look at the last three quarters of the year and understand, again, their marketing spend. What's the ROI? How did it work? How effective was it? And should they get more? So think about, you know, everything they did during the year with that money they, they had in the budget, and then they had to propose the budget. And now they're already spending the approved uh, for 2020 right here at the beginning of Q4. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. Just knowing what they're trying to do in Q, or I, I suppose in the fiscal year 2020, they've already started kind of looking ahead, planning ahead, and kind of allocating those dollars. And so, if you are in business development as you are, you know going into some of those conversations that decision makers have that budget and, and are kind of formulating what they want to do and formulating those plans. So I guess it, it's it's one of those times for you know if you're in business development, this is kind of um, I don't know, a, almost a sweet spot for you guys just to kind of look ahead and, and maybe make some calls and, and find some places where uh, people have those dollars that they're looking to allocate and kind of prove that uh, that there's value in what you're you're providing. Yeah, and you know, as we mentioned, people are already spending for 2020. Um, you know, there's still there's still budget 
left for the current Q4. Um, you know, a lot of folks have to spend it or they lose it. You've heard of that before. Sure. Use it or lose it. Um, so <laughs> Not always you, in this context, but yeah. But you'll see um, the importance of Q4, uh, especially in, in content marketing and, and what we're helping partners with. Um, you know, it's, it's a sprint to the finish line. And, you know, you want to you wanna use every last bit that you have. You want to make sure you're, you're spending wisely and getting the best finish to the year you can so that you can set up really, really strongly for the very beginning of 2020. Absolutely. Anything different that you're doing here as we hit Q4 uh, in your role at MarketScale or uh, just kind of stay on the path and, and keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, it's really, um, you know, opening eyes to, you know, immediate needs. Sure. You know, how can we immediately help, especially as we're here in Q4 and it's the last part of the year. If we're going to do something, we need to move now. Yeah. Um, you know, if we want to be ready for a, a Q1 start on a new campaign or a new initiative, we need to be having those discussions now. So it really is all about now um, and getting that, that discussion going and strategizing around how we can kick that off as soon as possible to make sure, you know, they're ready to go. Absolutely. I want to finish today off by talking about a news story. Now, I think everybody kind of knows about uh, what's going on uh, in China and Hong Kong, uh, everything going on there. I, I came across this story, and I, I don't think that you've seen this uh, yet, Brandon, but skateboarding uh, brand Vans, you know, that makes the shoes. Uh, have you ever had some Vans? I've got several, yeah. Some have holes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you if I still wear them or not, but not in the office. <laughs> you definitely still wear them. I, know I do. Uh, I have I have a pair of white vans that as soon as I get them, they immediately get dirty and I get angry and it's just a cycle that goes on and on and on. But so vans has this open competition for designers to submit designs and if they win, they win $25,000 and they have their own sneaker manufactured by the brand. Now, some... Uh, Hong Kong uh, independence kind of sympathizers, I suppose, submitted a design and Vans has kicked it out of the competition, which is interesting because it's it's one of those things where you, you, if you're Vans, you feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard place, right? They have factories in China, so you can't upset China. But on the other hand, now that you do this, you're facing a public relations backlash from uh, people that sympathize with Hong Kong's perspective in this geopolitical climate and what's going on over there. And so you feel for a brand like Vans in this case that is caught between a rock and a hard place really in this type of story where uh, Hong Kong freedom fighters are saying, hey, we want this design. This design was doing well. It was getting votes in the, uh, the competition that you were holding. But on the other hand, if you're Vans, you think, I would like to keep a good relationship with China. So rocking a hard place for uh, a brand that I think you and I both have uh, have worn at various points in our life yeah. and uh, and understand that maybe the, the, the difficult position that they're in on this one. Yeah. You know, Vans is, you know, it's an edgy company as well. So, right. you know, the fact that taking a stance doesn't surprise me that they're taking a stance. Obviously, Vans is always going to take a stance on something. Um and whatever they're involved in. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, hate to pick sides or something like that, but yeah, it, it really is interesting to see how this is going to play out, especially with the NBA. Right. Um, I know there's been some professional soccer in England or, or France rather, um, where they had to adjust their kickoff time to accommodate a Chinese broadcast. And so the fans in the stadium there put, you know, they, they made a, a TIFO with, a, a political statement about yeah. it, of course. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see how everyone's kind of relating this and playing, playing the, you know, taking a stance and really positioning themselves because um, China is such a big 
um, big money market for for American products. It kind of just reminds me that as much as people might not want to recognize it or believe it or anything along those lines, in a certain way, like sports and business are inherently political. Like you, you can't separate the two because they all just kind of go hand in hand in hand. And so you're going to get stuck in sticky situations like the NBA, like what Vans is dealing with. It's all about how you deal with it on a PR side and if you're prepared or not for that kind of emergency response, let's say. Yeah, exactly. You've got you've to be a little bit uh, preemptive about things and be ready. Got to be ready. Brandon, that's going to do it for this episode of Revenue Radio. You did it. Awesome. Great job. fun. Thanks for being here today, man. We will be back next week with another episode of Revenue Radio. Be sure to tune in on Mondays for the Maverick and Marketing Radio and Wednesdays and Fridays for Business Casual with myself and Daniel Litwin. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.